welcome to Conversations About Life. Thanks, Trina, for being a part of this conversation. Welcome to Conversations About Life. I'm delighted to be here. So I know you, well, I've known you for a good while. We used to go to the same church, mm-hmm. and then your um, son and his family are a part of the church we're currently a part of. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, so I know, I've known your family, and um, I guess um, as far as introduction, you know, how else would you describe yourself if you were just kind of introducing yourself? A born-again believer okay. in love with Jesus Christ. Okay, so that sounds like that's a pretty foundational aspect. Of yes, very much so. Uh, beyond that, I'm uh, the mother of seven. Uh, I have 19 grandchildren from the ages of 21 down to, uh, to three. I uh, just have my first married grandson, got married this past weekend, so wow. we're now up to 35, so... Uh, my precious husband got to go to heaven last September, so I'm doing a, a solo life now. But God is faithful every day. Um, so how did that begin with you as far as like your Christianity? Like that seems like such a foundational part of just who you are, that that's like the first thing that comes out when you would introduce yourself. Um, like was, that began... As a child, or no, it really did not. Um, I had grandparents who loved the Lord very much. Both of my parents were believers, but not actively involved in church. Uh, my grandparents, especially my grandfather, loved the Old Testament and uh, told stories, related all those stories. So, all of those things were captured in my heart. But uh, I ended up choosing a church that did not choose, did not teach salvation by grace. But then the Lord brought uh, Jean into my life as a junior in high school. And uh, after two years of college, we got married. And so I decided that I would just join the church. And, of course, he knew, uh, my precious uh, future mother-in-law knew, that, and the pastor knew that I didn't realize what I was doing, but... They allowed me to be baptized, and then uh, six months after that, after sitting under God's words consistently after we were were married, uh, on December 30th, 1965, um, uh, I met Jesus by my bedside, and uh, nothing has ever been the same since. So, you know, you so you got involved in a church first, and that di- you said didn't preach. The, the gospel of grace or um, so what kind of church was that uh, it was called a Christian church but it was based on works um, and all the time that I was there I never and I even pursued that into college was involved in the their ministry there as well uh, they just taught works they never taught salvation by grace alone so was that um is that just kind of characteristic of their denomination, or was it just this individual particular church? Or I suspect that it was characteristic of that denomination. There okay. really are very few denominations that teach salvation by grace alone. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm just not that familiar, familiar with other... Um, it's kind of hard to imagine... Christianity, um, where you're saved by works, you know, because it, because the center of Christianity is Jesus dying on the cross. So, like, how is that made sense of if in a, you know, if in a church that's not um, focused on like being saved by what Jesus has done? Um, it's rather strange, but I think it goes along with the mindset of most of the American people. We have pretty well been taught that anything we want, that we can work for and obtain it. Hmm. And I think it has, I don't know if it bled into the church or if it was the other way around. Uh, they're, they're wonderful people. Uh, they're committed people, but they don't understand 
that a relationship with Jesus is the key rather than uh, they've got it backwards where works come after salvation. They want to make it a, a means to get salvation. So they just missed it some way or another. That is a good character, uh, character how you characterized Americans as like, you can, we can do it. We, we're just kind of like the captains of our own destiny. Mm-hmm. And um, whereas other, it's kind of a cultural thing, I think. Other cultures, culture, cultures just kind of uh, just see them more as just a part of the whole. And they're just, it's not like individualistic, just do anything mm-hmm. that you want. But, um, so what brought you to the point of, um, you know, when you began that real relationship with God in 65. What uh, led you to that point? I guess you were hearing different teaching. Yes. And, um, yes. And then what was going on in your own heart and life that led you up to that? <laughs> I was such a moral person that for me to recognize that I was a sinner was the first thing God had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I knew that I wanted whatever my husband had and whatever I was seeing. We had, um, we had testimony services in our church at that time. It was a small Baptist church. And uh, people would, would share about a very, very particular moment in which they met Christ. Uh, I was just, you know, I kept hearing this, and I knew that I had not experienced that. And uh, so, uh, actually, uh, we had gone... This was uh, this would have been about the 27th or probably about the 27th of December. We went to the pastor and I told him I said I'm I'm just not saved. I've never had this experience, and he handed me a little tract, and so um, I don't think I had time to really look at it till I believe it was a Thursday evening, and it was the only night in our almost six month marriage that Jean had left. And he went to play basketball with a group of guys. So I sat down with that, and it was Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, the very thing that I struggled with because I was convinced works was enough. And it made it so clear that that was not God's plan and that all I had to do was confess my sins and believe in my heart and that he would move in. And that's exactly what he did. I felt like I'd had a bath on the inside because I had gone through so much conviction and such feelings of not being worthy of, of you know, God's attention prior to that, that it was, uh, it was an incredible, incredible moment. Because prior to that, you were trying to work for it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say? For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of works, lest any man boast. Um, so, you know, for someone to kind of get to the point where they're ready to receive God's grace, is it just as simple as like, well, you're a, a, a sinner and, you know, just them understanding why I'm a sinner or do they have to kind of like feel it and it just weigh heavy on them in some way? Um, because in one sense, you know, like to err is to human, like, oh, of course I'm a sinner, I'm human. Like, we all make mistakes. <laughs> or does it need to, to be more than that before the grace makes sense, like where someone's just disgusted with themselves morally because of who they are or something? you have any thoughts about that? I really believe that other than children, that adults especially, uh, probably late teenagers really have to come to the bottom of the barrel to where they recognize there is absolutely nothing else that they can do. There is no other way. Hmm. Uh, I think I think repentance is very, very much part of that. I, um, I, I when when you say believe, uh, the best illustration that I ever heard for believing uh, was uh, the story of a a man who was walking a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. And uh, he did this repeatedly, and there were crowds on both sides, and they were cheering him on, you know, so excited about what he was doing. Then he took a wheelbarrow, and he pushed it back and forth across a time or two, and he looked at the crowd, and he said, do you believe I can do this? 
And they all said, yes, yes, yes. And they said, he said, then get in the wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what repentance and understanding what faith really is. That's the best description that I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Before I was converted, I was trying to be- believe I thought if I could just believe enough, it was almost like just another work. Mm-hmm. Like if I could just be more sincere enough or whatever, you know. But it was kind of at a very low point where I was just, just you know, the way I describe it is just uh, morally disgusted with who I had become, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's just like a common experience of just that, that I hear people describe of it's like a load of guilt just lifted yes. that um, I didn't even know I was carrying because I didn't mm-hmm. know anything different mm-hmm. and then just feeling as light as a feather and um, I'm just feeling like a different person and it's like that um, seemed like an encounter with God in which um, like it was communicated to me that I was forgiven not mm-hmm. with words but in yes. a very clear way you know so um what's your relationship with god like now um yeah well nothing has really changed um uh i am able to be involved in a lot of things in ministry that are a great blessing uh my purpose for coming home in the summer months i'm a resident of florida now uh, is to especially spend time with my grandchildren. And uh, my uh, 18-year-old that just graduated from high school is at my home today sleeping this morning and because uh, I've been trying to do sleepovers with, with the children uh, just to give some one-on-one time. So this afternoon, uh, he and I are going to have a talk based on Psalm 139. Uh, he's at a a critical turning point in his life and uh, so I'm blessed to be able to to talk with him and share some insights and I'm looking forward to doing that today um, uh, I'm actively involved in a church in Florida I still attend uh, First Baptist of Arnold here uh, but I uh, with me being down there uh, eight to nine months I'm far more involved there uh, I'm involved in Operation Christmas Child. Uh, we do we do a, a thousand shoe boxes in about 45 minutes um, in November, uh, which I've been blessed to work with that. And then uh, I do a ladies' Bible study. Uh, they have a, a mentoring program uh, by which um, a new believer uh, is connected with uh, a person of their sex to work with them, go through his study program, and so I've been blessed to be able to do that. Uh, last, uh, the last, Just before I left last year, I had the opportunity to work with a, a young woman who is uh, half Cuban and half Honduran, and uh, at the age of 15, she got pregnant, so she's got a, at the age of 31, she's got a 15-year-old son, but she had an encounter with Jesus. And so then I've had the opportunity to work with her and still waiting for her son to be saved. But no, that's on the that's in coming up. So just uh, lots and lots of beautiful opportunities. So when talking about like what your relationship with God's like, you're talking about these things you're doing, like serving other people. So, you know, when it comes to like being connected to God, like experiencing him, experiencing like some kind of relationship yes. with him is is these are these other things uh, uh, the means of doing that or is that so, or is that a different topic kind of or or is that what being in a relationship with God is is like for you it's, it consists of doing these things it's the aftermath it's the time in prayer every morning Okay. It's digging into the Word every day. Okay. Um, those sorts of things that are the, the foundation. But then uh, service is just a way of saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. 
Okay. It's it's not that I owe it to him. It's that I love to do it. Okay. Um. And then the times you spend in the morning and and stuff. Um, how do you, is there a particular way that you go about that that's helpful? Like, is it just the, opening up the Bible and just, um, or is it more structured and you have a particular way that's has been helpful to you at going about that? Uh, our church in Florida has a program called SOAP. And what that is, is you read a scripture, and uh, it's already designated by the church. Uh, we, we go through the Bible in about eight years, is what we do. Mm-hmm. And so there is a certain passage that you read each week, and then daily uh, it's broken down into one or two verses. So you, you look at that scripture. Um, usually you write out observations about that scripture pardon me, about that scripture, and then you try to apply that to your daily life, and then you close with a prayer. Uh, so that has been the basic format that I've been doing for probably almost 10 years. Uh, okay, so it's S-O-A-P, so S is the scripture, mm-hmm. and O is observation. observation, and P is prayer. Oh, what's no, the? no. A is application. Application. And P is prayer. Okay, yeah, I got to spell right. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You haven't done it before, so. Okay. But it's a, it's a way of uh, taking a, a bite size of scripture and really soaking it up. Hmm. And then uh, I'm involved in a, a, they call them connection groups rather than Sunday school, but uh, we cover the same material as, a, you know, that whole passage as a group. And then the pastor preaches on it. So by the time you have studied it daily and then gone into depth in two different situations, uh, it's, it's pretty much a part of your life. Mm-hmm. It, it has, you know, developed great meaning. It's amazing how much is going on, like all that going on at that church in Florida mm-hmm. and things going on up in these churches. And, I mean, you just don't... Um, for someone who doesn't know, they wouldn't realize all this activities going on. People yes. um, growing and enjoying fellowship together, yes. and I think it's going on all around the world. You know, I hear I of too. things in different countries, and so it's just pretty amazing. It's amazing. Just, yeah. The church there, uh, their emphasis is the word number one, and the second emphasis is discipleship. Uh, and I believe that's exactly what Jesus told us to do, you know, in, in, the, in the Great Commandment, that that's exactly what he told us to do. And, uh, as far as discipleship, um, what's that look like in your life? Um, at this stage of my life, um, I still need it. Uh, there are still people that I would go to that, you know, I, I, I think of it as in terms of the, what, the, what comes out of the Sunday school class, uh, what, what the pastor is, he preaches. Um, we have Wednesday night classes that we, that we attend. Uh, so I thought discipleship, okay, I see. So that's like being a disciple. And I was thinking like, well, making disciples, you know, go and make disciples. Yes. So I guess there's that whole... The whole, it covers ne- a lot of things. Yeah, we we don't we never stop being a disciple <laughs> right. ourselves. And I uh, I think um, I think sharing God's word in a quick testimony uh, that can happen in the grocery store line. Um, I don't know if that's the direction you're thinking or not. Well, I just what however you experience this. Or well, whatever. I just I think that that we need to be very intentional. Uh, that we need to watch for opportunities, and uh, often you can just uh, say, "Do you go to church somewhere?" And that will open the doorway to share. Usually, it has to be a pretty brief testimony, depending on where you're at. Um, I try to keep tracks in my purse at all times that I can that I can hand out. I never get phone calls. <laughs> Never get phone calls. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, just being intentional. 
in your daily walk, you know, how many doorways that God will open up for you to share Christ and uh, then uh, the opportunity to invite them and to be willing to meet them at your church or, you know, to get them introduced, to be able to get them in a, you know, first salvation and then a discipleship program. But discipleship to me is just growing and learning. Okay. Um, well, what about uh, Jean, your husband? Um, so, um, like, you know, you guys are just seem like a, a s- strong and thriving, flourishing family. Um, what, um, I guess, what did um, Jean uh, do as, like, the, the father and husband that was helpful throughout years and and yourself too you know what part did you have in it and and still do but um yeah I guess can you tell me about that uh he was always uh such a godly example first for me and then for our family um he chose to uh be a part of the family rather than to work extra hours and make extra money he was always a good provider, but he he had the opportunity to work around the clock uh, at one point in his career, and uh, he made the decision that that was not the direction he would go. So he invested in his family in a very great way. Um, and in what? In just spending time with them. In spending time. Okay. Uh, 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 it was a favorite thing when they were young that as, almost as quick as he'd walk in and put his lunchbox down, he'd end up going in the living room and, and would be reading books to the children while I was finishing up supper. Oh, really? Uh, just, okay. uh, you know, and he uh, he had a, such a sense of humor uh, that he'd put a twist into the readings. And, and, of course, the kids had heard the book so many times that you'd hear them say, Oh, Dad, that's not what it says. But uh, and that that also bled over into the grandchildren when we waited a long time before we had our first grandchild. But um, uh, just always an example, not a perfect man in any sense of the word. And I laugh and I tell people we have as dysfunctional a family as anybody else. Uh, thankfully, the last one. The youngest one is now serving God, and he is 44 years old. So we've been praying for him for a very, very long time. Um, it was circumstances partly, but he just he just hadn't reached the point that, that God was more important than other things to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's a great blessing. Uh, all of the other children are involved in all areas, you know, and oddly enough... Um, Five of the families are here in, in the St. Louis community, and uh, none of them go to church with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're scattered all over the place, and our oldest son is uh, an E-free evangelical free pastor in, in Wisconsin, has been up there for 20 years, and uh, the younger son uh, is probably more in a non-denominational church in Charlotte, mm-hmm. but they're all serving God in one, one way or another. And you guys were into camping quite a bit. Oh yes, yeah, and um, and not so much in like just regular campgrounds, but kind of going out into the forest and camping, right? Yes. In uh, 1976, we started camping at a place be- that became known as Down Yonder, okay. and it truly was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, outside of Potosi in the National Forest. But it was very close to the area where my husband's uh, mother's family settled. And so that was what the drawing was. But it was just a huge clearing, and that's all it was. Mm-hmm. You know, everything you needed, you had to take in. No electric, uh, water, uh, just, just everything. But we camped there consistently over Labor Day um, from up until this past year. Um, uh, Jean was in the hospital this last year at that time. So, uh, but um, it just—it was just a place for everybody to gather together, uh, where you didn't have the distractions that normally would distract you. Uh, the grandkids absolutely loved it. They got to spend t- time with their cousins, and uh, 
the family would uh, just sit around and visit, which just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, it was a very, and it was a place that Jean and I often went, just the two of us as well. And then we did extensive traveling. We uh, traveled uh, 13,000 miles in 08 to go to Alaska. And then two years later, we did Eastern Canada, went through, in fact, we've been in all the provinces of Canada but one, and have been in all the states of the United States except Hawaii. So we used our little camper. It's just a pop-up camper, but we did, we, we loved doing it. It was uh, some wonderful memories tied to that. And then... Was your camping uh, as a family, was that tent camping or were you mainly? We started out tent camping, yes, originally. And then when we knew we were going to make the Alaska trip, we felt like that that probably would not be the best way to do it. So we invested in a small pop-up camper. So from then on, we pretty much used, we used, you know, used it for, by that time the family was all gone. So we, uh, we just used it for the two of us. Yeah. Um, well, I just got some notes that I jotted down, things I thought I might like to ask. But if there's anything in particular that you want to bring up or anything, that's fine too. But what have you learned about God that perhaps you didn't know when you were younger? Is there anything that kind of comes to mind? I think his faithfulness. Okay. Uh, we... Um over those years, we uh, experienced um, two different times where Gene's uh, job uh, ended. And uh, to watch him uh, provide and take care of us, and both times we still had, um, we still really had basically had the seven kids both, in, both times. Uh, and he just... Uh, our favorite story <laughs> was uh, if I had a bag of flour, I could pretty much make breakfast or, you know, get us through breakfast time one way or the other. And uh, we reached a point of where we had uh, $3 to our name and uh, I was out of flour. And so uh, our pastor and his wife had invited us to come to their home, which was several miles out of, the, out of where we lived. So uh, we got out there, and we knew we were really low on gas, and uh, so we had visited with them for a while, and then um, um, got ready to leave, and Gene went out to start the van. In fact, all of us were already loaded up in the van, uh, and it wouldn't start. So he and the pastor drove up to the top of the hill to get some gas in a gas can, and uh, while he was doing that the pastor's wife and I were you know talking through the window of the car and she says oh I forgot I've got something for you so uh, she runs back in the house and she said they had a buy one get one free and she hands me a bag of flour mm-hmm. and that was uh, that was just one example there are just many many times when uh, he just provided in a because we did not choose to share what was going on in our lives uh, at that particular time, but we would we would receive a, a gift in the mail, uh, or we would. One lady brought uh, an entire box of baking supplies right before Christmas one year. So just it was just many many different ways that he provided, but never ever did he fail to provide, and uh, he used losing jobs to move us into a different location than we had been before. And it was always primarily either for the good of the family or it was a ministry opportunity one way or the other. So we did a circle. We started out, uh, we started out in Maryland Heights, I'm sorry, we started out in Brentwood as a married couple. And then over the course of uh, the next, um, oh gee, let me think, how many years would that have been? Over 30, over 30 years. He brought us right back into the St. Louis community uh, when we bought our home in 95 in Arnold. And from that point, other than Florida, we, you know, we were pretty, pretty well stuck. But it was a variety of churches, a variety of experiences you know, over that, and ministry opportunities. He was uh, ordained, um, ordained a deacon 
pretty early in our marriage, right after he was 30, and he was a deacon every church, you know, that we ever attended, uh, ultimately becoming chairman of deacons at First Baptist Arnold. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was just usually the the moves were because it was more than anything a ministry situation, uh, you know, that God wanted us to work in, plus just teaching us faith. You know, the whole journey was a, was a faith adventure. Hmm. Are there any things that um, kind of characterize your marriage in any particular ways? Like, how would you describe it? Anything in particular that, you know, stands out to you as far as what your marriage was like? Uh, about 11 years into our marriage, I had just had our seventh child, um, a neighbor who was a very godly woman um, started teaching me about um, uh, bowing to my husband and allowing him to be head of the home. There had never been a an open resistance per se, uh, but that was the first time that I had really encountered uh, where uh, to allow him to be the leader in the home, and it was very pivotal. In our marriage, um, not a popular concept at all, but it um, it sweetened our marriage in a way that I never would have dreamed, hmm. um, because I believe that was God's plan all along was for the husband to be the leader in the home, and for the wife to be the support, and uh, so from that point forward, not that I ever never mastered it as I really wished I could. But it really made a difference in our marriage, and I think it made a difference in our children's marriages as well. Hmm. Um, Well, is there anything that you've learned about life, about how to live life well or anything like that, um, that you've learned now that you maybe didn't know earlier or... I know you've been mentioning some of those things, but um, anything in particular that um, you're happy you know now about living life well? It's been amazing. Um, Jean and I spent 56 years together. I can hardly remember before I was married. Uh, But um, this last year has been an amazing journey of contentment. I've watched my other friends, and their response has not been the same as mine. Not that it's been bad in any sense of the word, but I have just been astounded at the contentment that he's giving me over this time period uh, to just be able to rest in him, um, to know that he has plans for me even yet, uh, that... uh, that an ideal, ideal desire to rust out, I'll burn out, but I won't rust out, is the, the you know, the, um, uh, just what he's placed in my heart over these last, you know, over this is almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he's just always there. I mean, he has never left. And uh, to just know that that's the case is just unbelievable. Hmm. I was just thinking yesterday, um, like, you know, you have hard times in life and you have times, those few times where things go smoothly, you know, and, um, a few. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so much of the time for me, it's trying to figure it out. Like, how can I be more efficient and do things more, get things done? And how can I, um, put the right priority on things and not forget whatever relationships or this or that important things and just thinking about it a lot and then um yesterday it just felt like well things are just clicking and um it's like um wow things are just kind of going the way i want them to go you know (laughs) and but there was a little bit of um a, a melancholy feeling to it because I think that um, when you're striving for to live life well and to do things right, it feels like that's the goal. And then if you kind of like start achieving it a little bit and arriving, you realize 
mm, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not, the way I kind of thought about it was, like, if I'm not consciously doing this before God and, like, unto Him and in connection with Him, like, just kind of getting things squared away just ain't enough. Mm-hmm. Even though... I don't know if we really realize it when we're just striving for that because we don't have it and we think when we get there, you know, but then when we get there, it's like, "Mm, that's just not enough. (laughs) Yes. So, um, anyway, I'm not sure what uh, led off on that, but... um, I think you just should get up every morning and just praise the Lord that you've been given a fresh new day. Yeah. And then commit that day to Him. Yeah, and in whatever it holds, you know it. it uh, for me, uh, one of my pastor friends, a real close friend of ours, uh, was talking with me right at, during the during the time of Gene's service, uh, and uh, he said, "You know, in a, in a way, you have a fresh new start. Uh, you don't have the not encumbrances, but you don't have the responsibilities that you had before, and." Uh, the more I thought about it, he's, you know, he summed it up. Um, I can get up now and I can choose whatever I want to without any, anything else keeping me from doing the Lord's work. Uh, where before, not, not that Jean was ever an issue, but I had the, you know, the household chores to deal with, the, making sure he had his meals, spending time with him. And now it's, it's, it's just the Lord's day. You know, it's just however he opens it up and whatever he wants. I, I've, I've had that availability that I've never had before. Hmm. And I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed my married years, but I'm enjoying this time, too. Yeah. Um, well, what are you most eager to do yet in life? Uh, I'm very much looking forward to... Not that I don't love being here with my family. Um, that was my, that's my purpose in coming, is to spend as much time with them as I possibly can. And I absolutely love it. But I, am, I leave September the 6th. Uh, my daughter, oldest daughter, is going to drive down with me this time. And uh, um, by the 8th, we will arrive back in Royal Palm Beach, Florida. And uh, by the by that Sunday, I'll be back in my Sunday school class where I will be greeting people as they come in. Um, looking forward to seeing. It's a church of uh, about 700, so it's uh, still a very very personal. You know, it's not a not a huge church, but a it sounds big. rapid <laughs> rapidly growing church. Rapidly yeah. growing church. Lots of baptisms since I left, uh, primarily as a result of COVID. I think is really is what's what's brought that about. But anyway, and uh, uh, I head up Operation Christmas Child, so we'll be hitting that running. And uh, the 13th, I will be starting a, a Bible study with a, a ladies' connection group, um, Tony Evans' uh, Kingdom Agenda. And I can hardly wait to get involved in that. And uh, there'll just be different things, but um, have wonderful friendship, friendships there. Um, they've chosen to uh, let me be the spare wheel uh, out of the three groups that often did things together. Uh, I'm now the fifth person, and they've they've made no difference, and uh, they've just loved on me, which has been uh, I did not know how that would play out. So, uh, but I'm just I'm just excited to see what God has coming up. I hope I'll have an opportunity to mentor another young believer and. you just collect more is really what you do because every person that you mentor becomes a part of you. They usually become adopted. And uh, we have a son who is uh, almost 65. I laugh and said I was 13 when I had you. <laughs> but uh, I look forward to being with him and ministering to him through a hard time that he's going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't been a believer that many years. But it just God just opens up so many doorways, and uh, um, I have downtime, a beautiful park across the street where I can ride my bike, and I still do that. Uh, blessed with physical health, so that I'm able to 
to do many things that many cannot do. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just look forward to what each new day holds. This, is there anything that helps you when it comes to like just having the energy for a life like this, the <laughs> fitness for it, and so forth? I'm a I'm a firm believer in Shackley vitamins. Oh, I've been okay. on them for over 40 years, and hmm. uh, I think they make a difference. Um, uh, trying to make sure I get exercise mm-hmm. daily, uh, staying active. Uh, Crossword puzzles, if you don't have anything else to do, or a good mental, mental, uh, you know, uh, helps your mental acuity. And um, uh, I try to eat right. Um, so just trying to do practical things. Right. But it all begins with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just, just having that encounter with him every morning. It sounds like... You um, do well. You've learned how to do well in like a larger church. Like I think for um, like, you know, the church we're a part of, it was smaller and it's getting larger. And um, when it was smaller, it's like you knew everybody and everybody seemed like a part of your family kind of. But it gets to a certain point and it's just hard to keep tabs on people. And like someone could just, you know, stop coming and you'd hardly recognize it because there's just so many people um but and then if you get to like several hundred i mean it's like then there's no uh chance of just knowing everyone like a family but you but yet you still need deep relationships is there um anything um but it seems like you do well with that it's almost like um, making your family within a larger family or something, perhaps. Is that what it is, or is it something else that's helpful? I, it, it, uh, my church is a family. Uh, we, I have no relatives in Florida <laughs> that are close. I have a brother that's uh, about four or five hours away, but we see each other once a year. <laughs> so this church has become my family. Um, one of the things that I enjoyed so much this past year was... Uh, uh, helping out with the mops, mother of preschoolers. They have a fairly large group that meets. And um, so I've been helping in the, uh, with the homeschoolers that, that come, so that sort of thing. But as a, a jumping-off place for that, uh, I've gotten, and I'm a people person to begin with, uh, but there's uh, four young moms that I have been able to become involved in their lives um, it just seems like God is forever opening up new ways to meet new people. Um, and, you know, and I, they're, they're early in their journey, you know, where I've been walking this one a long time. So uh, being able to just encourage them, you know, and, and just enjoy them. I just absolutely love, you know, being around those types of people. And uh, um, it, it just, it's amazing how many how many doorways open up that you wouldn't have thought uh, in, uh, you, you know, and I sit in a certain location in church every Sunday and uh, there's a young couple that popped in for the first time last winter and so made an effort to get acquainted with them, you know, and just, uh, I, it's just something I love to do, but it's again, God just gave me a love for people. So in being a people person, does that mean you're like an extrovert where that just energizes you to be around people? Or or you not so much, but you just love people anyway? <laughs> I think it's both. Okay. I yeah. really think it's both because um, um, I, I guess I just feed off of getting acquainted with people and learning their stories and seeing where they've come from. And, you know, uh, it's just... Um, uh, there's just such huge varieties of people, you know. Uh, I, obviously, I've got friends that are that are my age, which is the mid seventies to the mid eighties. Um, several several friends have been married well over sixty years already, uh, you know. But then uh, these young couples that have been married three or four years, I just absolutely love, you know, getting being involved in them, getting acquainted with them. I, I still, even with Jean not being in the home, it was something we practiced always, uh, was hospitality. And I, I love to invite a couple or several couples over and to prepare a meal for them and, uh, 
just get acquainted. And uh, it's um, so as a result of that, we've got a big friend base of all different types of people. It range from college students to, uh, you know, to just older friends. But uh, I just think that's, I still think that's something that we as Christians have backed away from that is, is not a healthy thing to back away from. Hospitality? Yes. Because when you're in a home, and it doesn't have to be a fancy meal. One, long, long ago, one of the ladies said, if you just serve peanut butter and jelly, it's the getting together that matters. And uh, so, but uh, I, I really think that's, and I, and our church in Florida is, and I know most churches are doing that, uh, are developing connection groups. Um, they don't do them based on age as much as, um, sometimes it's that, but sometimes it covers the gap, you know, from older to younger Mm-hmm. And I personally think that is a better way of doing things than to group people in ages uh, because I benefit from what these younger people teach me and hopefully I am able to communicate things to them that might be helpful to them. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard um, recently, I was listening to a podcast, and it was like, a, I guess, a pastor of a church talking about hospitality and just how that is can be so good as far as connection with people. I don't know. I, um, for myself, um, like getting together for coffee, that's easy. And that's, um, been a a nice way to connect with people on like a one to one Mm -hmm. basis. Inviting someone over for a meal. Um, I don't know. It's just, it seems to me like a little bit like, I'm just preoccupied with trying to get the meal right. And then I eat kind of weird. Not everybody else <laughs> likes to eat the way I eat. And then I also, I'm just a little self-conscious. Like, am I taking away their time? Like, do they really want to come? Or would they rather be watching the football game or something, you know? And so there's all these types of things going on. Um, but... Um, I think you have to remember when you invite somebody, they can refuse. Yeah. And they can always find an excuse if they don't wish to come. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't hurt just uh, to invite. um, I usually ask, do you have preferences on foods? Mm -hmm. And if it's possible, I do something. Because even if you do eat maybe an unusual way or even maybe a healthier way than a lot of people, you can still survive one meal. Mm-hmm. You know, with being something maybe that would not be your preference. Right. And again, keeping it simple. A one-dish casserole is perfectly okay. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't have to make it complex. Mm-hmm. Usually if you'll, if, you'll, if you'll put together a one-dish with a salad and a dessert, everybody's happy. <laughs> so. Right. And for me, conversation flows a little bit easier when it's just me and another person face-to-face. Mm-hmm. When you got a group... Um, I tend to just kind of back out and let people chat and stuff. But anyway, I think it's a good, I guess whatever works as far as like connecting with people like in neighbors, we just tend to keep to ourselves so much. I think there's so much opportunity in neighborhoods Mm -hmm. if there's just a way to kind of get out and get to know each other. So, One of our pastor's wives in Florida, they, uh, they, they moved from Michigan to Florida, uh, and they they decided to have a Christmas block party, and so they opened up their home, you know, to to their neighbors, and it has been amazing. I think she's about. I think this next one will maybe be the third one they've done. Hmm. COVID kind of messed things up a little bit. Okay, but. Uh, but uh, it has been amazing at, you know, what changes came about hmm. in their neighborhood just through doing that. Right. Gospel opportunities, uh, people coming to church now that didn't maybe right. have a church home before. So there's so many different ways. And there is nothing wrong with having coffee with a friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, it's an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to learn what's going on in their life, to be a prayer partner, um, you know, whatever avenue God takes, hospitality covers a 
wide, mm-hmm. wide range of things. Right. And even like if it's more of a party or a group event, um, that might not be um, an avenue for having like a real close, intimate really. relationship. Not but really. it can like uh, build relationships and give the avenue for maybe further conversations down the line. So, yeah, that seems like it's really good. Um, so, um, is there um, anything in particular that's impacted your life, like any particular books or um, people or events or anything that have um, you know, made an impact on your life? Shortly after I got saved, I was introduced to the book In His Steps. Okay. And uh, that became a popular phrase. At one point, there were bracelets, what would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. It, it bled into that. But the very idea of, of thinking, okay, Jesus, what would you do in this situation? How would you handle this? Um, was very impactful. Um, I don't know that I think as much about it now as I did at that point in time, uh, but it's such a good pattern uh, because um, where we might be short-tempered and uh, not patient with somebody, uh, Jesus was rarely anything but that. A few instances where he acted differently than that. But uh, I just think that was such a, it was such an impact on my life at that time. And I think it bled over into probably most of my Christian walk from that time forward. Uh, we, as a couple, we, we were associational Baptist for, from the time we got married. Well, for actually 30 years, we were associational Baptist after we got married. So we were primarily in smaller churches. And then uh, God moved us to First Baptist, which, gosh, I guess it was running probably 1,295. It was a huge church in comparison to what we've been in. Um, But he just, on this journey, we were blessed to have had some pastors that thought the Word was the most important thing. And they spent hours talking to God and listening to Him and then speaking the words. And as a result of that, um, it has developed a real love for the Word. And I, and I, you just, you can't ever go wrong when you delve into the Word. Uh, sometimes He may share something with you you really didn't want to hear, you know, but it doesn't mean that it's not growth. And uh, uh, to me, that that has been probably the most, and the fact that my gene was a phenomenal Bible teacher, hmm. and I didn't always get to sit under him, but I was constantly under under that, mm-hmm. you know, in the home. And uh, but I just still think, uh, I still think that is most critical thing of all is just falling in love with the Word and letting it speak and minister to you, because it will do that every single day. In a, in a different way. Um, so I, this just kind of is a thought from the spur of the moment. I didn't really think about bringing this up. but um, So you've lived through a lot of different political climates. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now, you know, politically it just seems kind of confusing. And from, you know, most people, say, you know, say that we're really divided. And um, the way... Um, uh, sometimes evangelicals are kind of looked upon as being um, angry and hateful sometimes, and that might um, have to do some with um, their p- political attitude or something. And I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about just um, um, what you think is good about just um, conducting oneself? politically or as a citizen and so forth and this type of uh, environment which seems unusual to me but maybe it's not maybe everybody feels like their current time is kind of unusual in some particular way or not I'm not sure but you have any thoughts about any of that we have always uh, chosen to um, be conservatives in in our political viewpoint 
um, uh, we we've never uh, actively involved ourselves in politics, but we've always made sure that we knew who the candidates were, what they stood for, and that we tried to vote along the lines that we thought God would vote. Um, I think one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with is God's command that we're to pray for our leaders. And there have been some that I thought were so ungodly that I've struggled with that. And yet it doesn't change that that's what he says we're to do. And so um, currently I pray for our president to come to know Jesus uh, because it would appear to me, at least from my viewpoint, that he probably does not, that he's never had a personal encounter with Jesus. Uh, pray that that our government would would turn to God and would use those those principles rather than the ones that seem to be used so often right now. Um, the bottom line is that God is still as much in control of our government today as he was um, when he chose to turn kings' lives upside down. Uh, 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 I, can't, I can't think of the one I'm trying to say, but at any rate, I just, uh, uh, but I believe with all my heart uh, that all of the things that are happening right now are because God wants people saved. And that has always been his agenda. It is essentially his only agenda is to, uh, I don't think he creates situations in which people come to him, but I do think he uses every single thing that happens. And right now, my personal take is that we've got some really hard times coming upon us as a nation but I also expect that we will see more salvations than we have in a long, long time. Uh, we did through COVID. COVID, as horrible as it was in so many ways, it has brought people to their knees and has brought people to Jesus. And that's the part that I get excited about. I don't look forward to hard times, mm -hmm. but I do look forward to what he's going to do in the midst of it because he's always done that. So that... Um, happening through COVID, was that something you saw in just your circles and things, or is that something from statistics? Or um, how, how do what about your what is how did your your views come about of like uh, a lot of people coming to know God through COVID? Uh, before I left Florida back in in mid May. Um, there were probably eight or nine young couples that had never gone to church at our church before that were attending, and it was a direct result of COVID because they had found us online. Okay, I see. And I, and right. I think that has, you know, and I, COVID, COVID has probably been the most frightening thing that's happened to our country in a long, long time. And people handled that fear in multitudes of ways, you know, they, in many, many different ways. Mm -hmm. but, um, but the bottom line for most people was there was this sense of fear. And, you know, what would I do if I get COVID? What do I, what's going to happen to me if I die? And I think, it, I think the reality of all that made people stop and think about things that they just were floating along with no, no thought at all. Mm-hmm. Well, um, just kind of before wrapping up, what's really satisfying to you when you are doing it? Like just what really re resonates to you in a, with you in a satisfying way? I think I feel like if I'm, um, and my spiritual gift is encouragement, so that is primarily the thing that I enjoy the most. But I, I love to feel like having had a conversation with someone, whether it's a, an old friend or if it's someone I've just met, is that when I leave, that they're encouraged in whatever area they needed encouragement in. Hmm. And, uh, 
Well, that's neat. Encouragement's a neat gift to have. It is. I'm very thankful God gave that. Along with the people-person combination, mm-hmm. it you know I've been able to uh, just use it in a variety of ways, and uh, and I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And like, what do you mean by encouragement? Like just feeling, uh, if a person's encouraged, I guess like they're just feeling uh, more energy for whatever they're doing or supposed to be doing, and they just, I guess, have more courage for it. Something along those lines. I would. Partially, but the bottom line of everything is your relationship with Christ. And um, most of our difficulties come when we have stepped away from that. And uh, so just encouraging, uh, just encouraging them to turn to Christ, you know, in a stronger way. <laughs> That's neat. Well, anything else that we should talk about before we wrap up? Just that Jesus is the most wonderful thing that has ever happened to me, and I am so thankful that he chose to track me down like the hound of heaven, which he is, the Holy Spirit, and uh, that he's still actively working in lives today. Okay. Well, thanks, Trina. It's been good. Thank you for the interview. I've really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm.